This is the one. <laughs> Guys, we're having technical issues. The Wendigos do not want us to talk about uh-huh. them. <laughs> they have. Which, not that I said that, actually creeps me out. <laughs> or my mom's house is haunted. <laughs> yep. I'm at my mom's, yeah. everyone. Either we're one. California. Um, okay. We're going to get back into it. Okay. Yeah. So. The Wendigo. So this is a quote just to start it off to give you a nice visual of the Wendigo um, from mm-hmm. a teacher and scholar based in Ontario, Canada. His name is Basil Johnston. He's an Ojibwe uh, Basil. teacher. Basil. Uh, or Basil. <laughs> I just assume it's Basil. Yeah. Does anyone I actually go by Basil? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't know. No. What do I know? Um, okay. <laughs> Quote, the Wendigo was gaunt to the point of emaciation, its desiccated skin pulled tautly over its bones, with its bones Mm. pushing out against its skin, its complexion the ash gray of death, and its eyes pushed back deep into their sockets. (sighs) The Wendigo looked like a gaunt skeleton, recently disinterred from the grave. What lips it had were tattered and bloody. Its body was unclean and suffering from separations of the flesh, giving off a strange and eerie odor of decay and decomposition, of death and corruption. Yuck, what a description. I know, we should cue, um, oh my god. Thriller. <laughs> oh yeah, Cat, it did uh, sound like that. the land. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's the Wendigo. Casual. Oh, wow. So, um, in Minnesota's North Woods, uh, the forests of the Great Lake region and the central regions of Canada, these are the places said to live a malevolent being called a Wendigo. Um, it. So there are a lot of different descriptions around what it looks like. Generally, that description is like pretty common, um, but there are some differences in terms of like, is it humanoid? Does it look like just a creature? Like, does it look like a person, but with like horns and looks kind of like they're decomposing? Gross. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so a lot of the the story or the background, like the origin of the legend originates from the Great Plains, the Great Lakes, First Nations, a lot of it's like deeply embedded in indigenous lore, um, but all throughout kind of Eastern US and Canada. So the creature may appear as a monster with some human characteristics or as a spirit who has possessed a human being and made them monstrous. So it's either like they exist like that or they've basically taken someone's body historically and in all of the legend, because it's, it's, come up among I'm going to really mess up these names I'm so sorry (laughs) Algonquin Ojibwe um, Eastern Cree Salto West Main Swampy Cree Niscapi and Innu peoples Uh, so there it's like it's shown up in a lot of places and (laughs) what I don't fully know about and I think this has come up in the past where like a lot of the legends and lore from indigenous cultures like it's common across a lot of indigenous cultures. What I don't know though is like how communicative were they amongst themselves? Like, I don't know how much different like tribes or groups of peoples were chatting about these things. Yeah. That's a good question. Part of me is like, that kind of validates it if they're not talking a lot. So I don't know. Yeah, definitely. Um, that's like how things there are such similar creatures or beings right. across the world. And yeah. 
at Long the time. Before globalization. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. Interesting. Sus. Mm-hmm. Um, take that, non-believers. Yeah. <laughs> what do you I'm have sure to say I'm about that? Like really legit. <laughs> but it's fine. Yeah. Um, so in all of the legends, there's an association with cannibalism, murder, insatiable hey. greed, and cu- or, or sorry, and cultural taboos against such behaviors. So in a lot of the stories, it's like obviously those things have never been accepted in any of these cultures. That's all it's trying to say. Mm-hmm. Um, in all of the different names, so Wendigo, Windigo, Wittigo, Wittico, and Wittigo. They all roughly translate to the same thing, which is, quote, the evil spirit that devours mankind. <gasps> Ew. <laughs> That's awful. So, again, sort of different visual depictions. Some are described as, like, human size. Some are de- described as giants, so way bigger <laughs> than human beings. Um, but common to all of the descriptions is the view that they're malevolent, cannibalistic, supernatural. They're, they're also very strongly associated with winter, the north, coldness, famine, and starvation. So <laughs> there's definitely, like, a great north it's freezing here kind of energy yeah um and there are some some different like quotes from like written legends um from some of these different groups so the algonquin legend describes the creature as quote a giant with a heart of ice sometimes it is thought to be entirely made of ice its body is skeletal and deformed with missing lips and toes end quote (laughs) missing just really like toes, whatever. Missing yeah. lips. Ew, no. and then just teeth. So prominent. Oh, <laughs> I didn't think about that. It's not like dominant. Um, oh. I don't know which is worse. I don't either, actually. They're both bad. Yeah. Um, the Ojibwe describe it, quote, it was a large creature as tall as a tree with a lipless mouth. Apparently this is a common <laughs> uh-huh. And jagged teeth. Ew. Mm-mm. It's breath. It gets worse. Its breath was a strange hiss, its footprints full of blood, and it ate any man, woman, or child who ventured into its territory. And those were the lucky ones. Sometimes the Wendigo chose to possess a person instead, and then the luckless individual became a Wendigo himself, hunting down hunting down those he had once loved and feasting upon their flesh. End quote. Oh no. Yeah, really sad. Just pure evil. Yeah. So the Mm -hmm. origin story, according to the legend, is a Wendigo is created whenever a human resorts to cannibalism to survive. So in the past, this obviously would occur when Indians and settlers found themselves stuck in, you know, freezing cold snow and ice in these like northern forests, stranded Mm -hmm. for days. You know, you see it with the Donner Party. Like it happens. People will try to eat each other big yikes yeah. mm-hmm. um, in order to survive um, other versions of the legend cite that humans who displayed extreme greed gluttony and excess might also be possessed by a wendigo so like the spirit already exists it's just bringing mm-hmm. it into someone's body um, so obviously the myth is kind of like a cautionary tale too of like cooperate and moderate you know so mm-hmm. interesting mm-hmm. Um 
The creature is said to have several skills and powers, including stealth. Um, It's a near-perfect hunter. Um, It knows and uses every inch of its territory and can control the weather through dark magic. Um, Yeah. They're also portrayed as simultaneously gluttonous and emaciated from starvation. So it's like a hunger they can never quench. Um, which it's is miserable. Yeah, terrible. Um, they're said to, yeah, they so- <laughs> they're just hangry. That's all. They're just hangry. That's it. Honestly, I'm probably kind of a one to go when I have <laughs> when I skip a meal. Um, they're said to be cursed to wander the land, eternally seeking to fulfill their voracious appetite for human flesh. And if there's nothing left to eat, they starve to death. Hmm. So big yikes. Um, yeah. The legend lends its name to a very disputed uh, modern medical term called Wendigo psychosis. Um, So some psychiatrists consider it a syndrome that creates an intense craving for human flesh and a fear of becoming a cannibal. So this occurs within people living around the Great Lakes of Canada and the U.S., which is kind of interesting. Um, Usually develops in the winter in individuals who are isolated by heavy snow for long periods. Initial symptoms are poor appetite, nausea, and vomiting. Subsequently, the individual develops a delusion of being transformed into a Wendigo monster. People who have Wendigo psychosis increasingly see others around them as being edible. (laughs) But at the same time, they have an exaggerated fear of becoming cannibals. So it's almost Mm -hmm. like intrusive thoughts like they are like obsessed with this idea but are horrified that they're obsessed with it yeah um the most common response when a person showed signs of wendigo psychosis was a curing attempt by traditional native healers um in past cases if these attempts failed and the possessed person began to threaten those around them or act violently or antisocially, they were executed um, so there have been reports regarding this psychosis dating back hundreds of years, which is really kind of interesting that it still happens. Yeah. Um, there were a few documented cases that honestly I won't get into in too much detail because they're really just like super sad. Yeah. Um, but I'll say one, uh, which is a really well-known one. Um, it's uh, a man named Jack Fiddler. He was an OG Cree chief and medicine man who was known specifically for his powers at defeating Wendigos. He claimed to have defeated 14 during his lifetime. Um, some of these creatures were said to have been sent by enemy shamans, uh, and others were members of his band who had been taken with the insatiable, incurable desire to eat human flesh. And this was likely in like the late 1800s or early 1920s. Um, or yeah, early 1900s through the 1920s. I don't, there's not like a specific time frame. Um in the latter case, so the people within his group, um, family members usually asked Fiddler to kill a very sick loved one before they turned Wendigo. Um, his brother was actually killed. His name was Peter Flett um, after turning Wendigo when the food ran out on a trading expedition. Um Hudson's Bay Company traders, the Cree, and missionaries all knew the Wendigo legend, although they often explained it as mental illness or superstition. But regardless, several incidents of people turning Wendigo and eating humans are documented in the company's records. So the Hudson Bay Hmm. Company has records. Wow. Um, 
So I don't know when exactly he lived, but in 1907, um, Fiddler and his brother Joseph were arrested by Canadian authorities for murder. Jack committed suicide, uh, but Joseph was tried and sentenced to life in prison. He ultimately was granted a pardon, but died three days later in jail before receiving the news of his pardon. So like very weird, weird, weird things. Yeah, very So Wendigo creature sightings. So this, again, this goes back hundreds of years. Wendigo creature sightings are still reported, particularly in Northern Ontario, specifically near the cave of the Wendigo. Like, why would you go anywhere near that? (laughs) And around Kenora, where traders have allegedly spotted it, trackers and trappers for decades. So Hmm. like, People have been reporting this for forever. Many still believe that the Wendigo roams the woods and prairies of northern Minnesota and Canada. Many have given Kenora, Ontario, Canada, the title of Wendigo capital of the world. Um, And sightings of this creature in this area have continued well into the new millennium. Wow. So avoid the cave of the Wendigo. Uh (laughs) So common sense, I think. Um, so this one is from L1K M taint. <laughs> I don't know if that's what an unfortunate right, name. Very, very unfortunate. Anyway, on Reddit. Um, so this whole, so they know up front, like this whole <laughs> Just a little, like, potty humor over here. (laughs) Same. Yeah. Uh, They know the front. The whole story takes place on an eight-mile stretch of road in Hamlin, New York. So I'm assuming that's upstate. Um, Mm -hmm. So the OP says, I was 16 years old and went on a fishing trip with my four friends, Brian, Mike, Ethan, and Joe. The fishing spot was under a bridge about a mile and a half from any houses. Uh, So they're kind of not in the middle of nowhere, but a little ways away. The day started out fun. Everybody was excited to go fishing and smoke. Um, And where we were walking to the spot, um, there were squash fields littering the sides of the main road. So we snagged a few and continued on, also grabbing some corn. We get to the spot and we fished for a few hours until it was around 9.30 p.m. And this... This is a quote. This is where shit pops off. <laughs> this is where Amazing. I love Reddit because they're talking about something like heavy and then they're like, shit hit the fan, it's motherfuckers. Yeah. <laughs> so they say, he says before, or they, I'm not sure, gender. Um, but before I say anything else, I want to recognize that my friend Brian is a descendant of the Navajo tribe and believes in druid stuff. And then in parentheses, I'm an atheist. We start to hear dogs barking in the distance, and it sounds like a pack of wild dogs, but the chances of that being a thing are pretty low, so we consider coyotes. We soon realize that coyotes don't bark, they yip, so that's out of the question. We're all feeling a little paranoid at this point, so we come to the conclusion that walking back the eight miles and downing a bottle of rum at Brian's house would be a very good idea. (laughs) So they're a mile and a half from civilization or other homes. They're eight miles from home. A quarter of the way back, Brian stops dead in his tracks in the middle of the road. The expression on his face changes from concern quickly to the look of fear. I walk up to him wondering what's up, and he grabs me by the wrist and points my hand out into the field. All I could see looking back at me was a pair of eyes the size of footballs. 
Oh, wow. That is huge. Huge and horrifying. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Me and Brian agree silently to keep it between us as to not freak everybody out and end up getting end up getting split up. So we just kind of pick up the pace. So everybody is forced to follow at our speed. So halfway back to Brian's house, we pass a white farmhouse with a cornfield across from it. Next thing I know, it feels like a plane buzzed by and there's about a 40 yard trail crashing through the corn. Oh, and while all this is happening, we can still hear the fucking dogs following us. Whoa. Oh God. We make it safely back to Brian's house and pull out a fucking 12 gauge and bottle drop <laughs> and sit on his porch. And we hear the same dogs from earlier start whining off in the distance like they were upset at us or something. I then proceeded <laughs> to have night terrors while drunk at my buddy's house. <laughs> oh. <laughs> a fun end to the night. Yeah. So then people, I, go, I went into the comments and there are a bunch of people who are native it sounds like or indigenous um in backgrounds and a lot of them kind of agree that the there is like wendigos will sometimes use corn or other crops like that to lure people in um Hmm. like using them as bait and so i don't know there's just some like kind of interesting like weird theories about that and people people were like Yeah. yeah i mean they're 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 kind of guarding that space because they know people will come in there and steal some stuff. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Um, trying to harvest the crop. So that's creepy. Yeah. Okay. So then the other one is from um May 1400. Um and they called it something in the woods. So they say this story is 100% true and I'm writing it on here to warn other people and let them know there is definitely something out there. And to this day, I still don't know what it was, nor have I gone into any woods or forest since. (laughs) If you don't believe me, that's fine. Read it as a fun, a fun story. But for those of you out there with an open mind or who've seen something yourself, just know you're not alone just typing out and remembering this account is causing me to shake with fear. <laughs> oh, poor thing. <laughs> Traumatized. So, yeah. First off, I am a girl and live in North Carolina in the United States. I was 15 at the time of my encounter and was definitely not a believer in anything supernatural, paranormal, or anything of the sort. It happened while I was at a local summer camp there, which like already kind of scares me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There was absolutely nothing special about that day. No weird lights, people, animals, sounds, nothing. It was just the same camp schedule as I'd grown used to in the two weeks I'd already been there. My age group had just finished lunch and was able to persuade our counselor to let us play a game called Scatter down by the lake. It's like a giant hide and seek in the woods. Now we'd play this at least 20 times before that day and nothing weird had happened to any of us. We all grew up playing in the woods. So it's not like we had an aversion or fear of it, but for some reason that day when our counselor shouted scatter and I ran to find a hiding place, it felt totally different. I had run as far as I could while still being able to see the lake. Those were the rules and had found a huge old uprooted tree that I decided would be the perfect hiding place. So I laid down as close as I could against the ground and waited. I'd been there for about five minutes when I suddenly heard a voice calling my name in a weird dreamy like voice and not just any voice. It was my mom's voice. 
Now, my mom and I are extremely close, thick as thieves, so I'd know her voice anywhere. And I would swear on my grave, it was without a doubt her voice, but I knew it couldn't be her. She was 20 miles away at work. And even if it had actually been her and she'd come to pick me up early, the voice wasn't coming from the lake. It was coming from further out in the woods beyond the border of the camp. I knew I should have run away from this strange mimic mom voice, but I couldn't as it was almost hypnotic. It kind of messed with my thoughts and gave me doubts like, well, it could be my mom or what if she's hurt and I have to go get her. All these things were flooding into my mind like someone had broken a dam I didn't know was there until they finally overwhelmed me and my emotions got the better of me. So I took off running in the direction the voice was coming from. I ran as far as I could with only the strange voice as my guide. I couldn't have run more than five or seven minutes when I got to a clearing and the voice suddenly stopped. When I entered the clearing and didn't hear my mom's voice calling me anymore, I could finally think clearly again and started to have little alarm bells go off inside my head saying, you idiot, that is not your mom, run. (laughs) But I couldn't run because I didn't know where to run. I'd gotten so far away, I had completely lost sight of the lake by the camp, and I had absolutely no idea where I was, which is just scary in and of itself. Like getting lost in the woods is scary. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was completely exhausted from running. With no other options than to sit and catch my breath, I did just that. No sooner had I sat down, more warning bells went off in my head. I quickly did a 360 survey around the clearing and noticed a strange noise. It wasn't the continuation of the voice before. It was the distinct sound of chattering teeth, like if you were cold. Only there was no one else around, and it was the middle of June in North Carolina. So there's Mm -hmm. no way would be cold. (laughs) Yeah. And that's when I heard it. Leaves and sticks crunching on the edge of the small clearing. And I realized I had the feeling that something was watching me. And then whatever it was moved and fast in circles around the clearing, almost like it was circling prey. And it was in that moment I knew whatever it was had led me out there away from the rest of my group. So exactly like the predator, my instincts had been screaming at me that it was. Without any other option than to try and escape, I took off in the direction I thought I came running from and sprinted as fast as I could, all the while hearing the chattering of teeth and sticks crunching behind me. I didn't know what to do. I didn't dare turn around and see what was chasing me because I knew that if I did, I would slow down and I refused to slow down. It felt like a lifetime running away from this thing before I finally saw the lake. And even though I didn't think I could run faster than I ever have in my life, I did. (laughs) I broke the tree line and ran to the lake where I knew my friends were. At that point, I felt safe enough to stop and look back and see just what had been chasing me. But when I did, I only saw a fleeting form running back the way I had come and the, the distant sound of chattering teeth. When I finally found my counselor, who's the one who was like the seeker in this hide and seek game, I was hysterical with fear and hugged her as tight as I could. When I finally calmed down, she tried to get me to tell her what had happened, but I just asked, were you calling my name? Were you calling my name? Before she even said anything, I already knew the answer. After all, it had been my mom's voice that had led me away from everybody else. But what she said was much more bone chilling to me. She told me, no one called for you. We didn't even know you were gone. Everyone's still hiding and the game isn't over yet. Oh, that's me. And also like, who knows what other kids out there were potentially like being lured out into that clearing. Yeah. So very creepy. Um, Very spooky. Yeah. So, so a bunch of people in the, um, 
a bunch of people in the comments said like, doesn't that seem a little, a little um, too far south? But apparently there are other, like the Carolinas, like there are other, um, other states, like a little, a little farther south that they do occupy. Mm-hmm. Um, they also allegedly, according to some people on Reddit, have been seen in Alaska, um, other places in the north that are cold, basically. Cold. Mm-hmm. Um and then other people in the thread, because some of that, like, mimicking the voice kind of gives, like, Skinwalker vibe. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of people, though, said it's way too far east, that Skinwalkers are not found on the East Coast. It's, mm-hmm. like, almost exclusively um, the Western U.S. and Canada. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was kind of interesting. But who knows? Like, couldn't these creatures adapt and migrate? You know? Yeah. Like, they're probably evolving. If we evolve, I'm sure they do, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. So... Yeah, very. Yeah, if these things have potentially football-sized eyes, <laughs> they could walk from Canada to North Carolina. Yeah, I cannot. Quickly. I cannot. So yeah, yeah, That's yeah. Very spooky. I didn't really? realize they were so evil. Like, I know those descriptions of them. They're monsters. So horrifying. Yeah, in. Charmed and in Buffy, those episodes that scared the shit out of me as a kid, um, they were like kind of werewolfy looking, like furry mm. people, kind of. Yeah. Um, furries. They were furries. <laughs> no, they weren't. Uh-huh. They were kind of like wolf kind of vibe, like humanoid mm. wolf kind of vibe. Yeah. But Interesting. I don't know. Creepy as shit. That last story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, scary. very. That yeah. is horrifying. Poor um, thing. Yeah. 15. Well, I, I, mean, I think she escaped. I mean, yeah. I'm kind of like, if they're such good hunters, like how did she survive to tell that story? But who knows? Right. Hmm. She had a shield somehow. I guess. Who knows? Anyway, Magic. your turn. <laughs> okay, my turn. Speaking of furry people. that's the perfect segue i'm gonna talk about bigfoot yes (laughs) yeah which just to start off like i i guess i never thought too much about bigfoot before this Mm -hmm. so i don't think i was either a believer or a non-believer but now i'm kind of like oh (laughs) (laughs) this could be interesting so He's a cryptid, right? Bigfoot, mm-hmm. the Yeti—they're cryptids. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Are they so, the same thing? Bigfoot and Yeti. Yeah, yeah. So okay. Basically, I saw okay. somebody call them siblings. So oh, it's like you. Bigfoot, Sasquatch, Yeti, oh, the okay. Abominable Snowman—they're all in the same category. <laughs> I'm just thinking yeah. of the Rudolph movie. <laughs> yeah, I know, but. I didn't read too much about anyone but Bigfoot, even though they are very similar. But um, yeah, everyone knows already what Bigfoot is, but it's a large, usually very tall, furry, ape-like being, but it has a human gait, so it walks on two legs. And um, they say that Bigfoot 
stories like the legends of Bigfoot um, come from an archetype known as the wild man. And wild man lore spreads across cultures, but the standard story involves a large hairy figure similar to a man, but more wild. Mm. And in these legends, the wild man is usually harassing a town, stealing food, stealing livestock, and drinking from their water supply. So eventually, the townspeople get smart and they swap the water with rotten milk or some other fermented substance that will make the wild man sick and eventually fall asleep or be incapacitated, Mm -hmm. at which point they're able to trap and kill him. So folklorists believe that some of these wild man stories might have developed at a time where people, people were all about being civilized um, Mm. and we were losing touch with nature. Mm. So this idea of a wild uncivilized man was something to fear as a reflection of who we were before, which is kind of interesting, but that's obviously not like an all encompassing explanation because indigenous groups have Bigfoot legends that far predate any yeah. sort of so-called oh, civilized society. I didn't realize that. Yeah. yeah. So they go back forever. But the perception of the Bigfoot that we have today um, is quite different from that wild man legend um, because mm-hmm. he's typically nonviolent. And of course, he's really elusive because we still don't have any hard and fast evidence of his or maybe their existence because there might be a lot of them <laughs> but um the term bigfoot is we're, actually we're them. We're i know <laughs> i know non-binary we don't know yeah they could be he she they and there could be thousands of them we just yeah. don't know oh god so, <laughs> <laughs> yeah Except it's also kind of, um, I don't not not compelling. I don't know the word, but I was thinking about like how there are potentially still tribes in the Amazon that we mm-hmm. don't know about. Yeah. So who's to say these aren't just peaceful yeah. <laughs> creatures just living yeah. their life somewhere Actually, that I'm we so, haven't seen? I'm so excited about like what you have to share because I think. I think of them as kind of like a villain, but I don't actually know if that's true. Like, could they yeah. just be like mental giants, like just trying to live their yeah. little furry lives? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I didn't see many uh, like violent encounters at all. I think they're that's just good. sort of there and then they're gone kind of yeah. types. Leave me alone. So, yeah. <laughs> they're just trying to live life. Yeah. But yeah, the name Bigfoot, though is actually pretty recent and you can trace it back to these journalists named Andrew Genzoli and Betty Allen Mm. who wrote a column for the Humboldt Times in 1958, which Humboldt, California. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was in response to a letter that their paper had received from a group of loggers who had discovered some mysteriously large footprints while they were out in the forest. So Andrew and Betty wrote their column thinking that it would just be this like fun 
one-off thing, but mm-hmm. people were fascinated by it. So they did these follow-up stories with the loggers that initially wrote in and found out that they had coined the term Bigfoot to oh refer God. to whatever creature it was. So that term came up in the late 50s. Okay. Yeah. But since then, Bigfoot has become kind of a gimmick. Like he's been in movies as a villain, books as a villain. Um, but there are a lot of people who believe in his existence as just mm-hmm. something that's there. <laughs> so um, in 1978, two psychologists made this survey um, and they surveyed what they called mainstream scientists. So Mm -hmm. I'm thinking like chemists and biologists um, about their belief in cryptids like Bigfoot and the Loch Ness Monster. And a good portion of the people they reached out to declined to answer, which I think is an answer in itself. Um, But the results of those who did respond are interesting. Um, Overall, the respondents were more willing to entertain the possibility of the Loch Ness Monster than Bigfoot. Really? Yeah, which I kind of get because water water creatures, ocean creatures, there's so much that we'll never know. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. So they... Like, we haven't explored every inch of forest that exists. Yeah. Like, the Amazon will never see everything. Yeah. So, I don't know. Well, hopefully not, unless we cut all the trees down. God. Yeah. (laughs) Depression makes you want to just... (laughs) I know. Set a a blaze to someone. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to throw it out over that. It's... Yeah. (laughs) It's so hard to face those things. I mean, an inconvenient truth is like the most appropriate name yeah. for that really, thing. That was so well titled. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's so inconvenient. Yes. It's very inconvenient, but <laughs> we have to face it. Yeah. Oh, man. So, okay. They were more willing to believe in the Loch Ness Monster, but... um. Over half of the respondents viewed this theoretical discovery of something like Bigfoot as having a significant scientific impact, and they were therefore more hopeful that something like that did exist. That is really interesting, and I never really thought of that before from, like, a biodiversity Mm -hmm. perspective, that, like, there's some humanoid creature that, like, looks and behaves pretty differently from us. Yep. Yeah, it is. Yeah, because it would have an impact, I think, because it's clearly either ape-like, human-like, and we're so similar that it's somewhere in there. I've never thought about comparing them to apes, but yeah, actually, they're more like apes in some ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah, big furry body. (laughs) And kind of human-like still, but Mm -hmm. wild, you know, wilder than people. Yeah, exactly. So, and yeah, speaking of apes, so she wasn't in that poll that I just mentioned, but I found an interview with Jane Goodall. Yes, I was hoping you'd say her name. She, um, her quote was, well, now you will be amazed when I tell you that I'm sure they exist. 
and that was when she was asked about whether she believed in Bigfoot. So she said, I'm sure they exist. Yeah. And in another interview with her following that one, she mentioned a time when she was in a remote village in Ecuador, and she asked people if they'd ever seen a monkey without a tail. And three of the hunters replied, oh, yes, we've seen monkeys without tails. They walk upright, and they're about six feet tall. Oh, that gave me chills. (laughs) Yeah, and she noted there they know nothing of Bigfoot there. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And she goes on to say, how do you explain that? And it's Jane Goodall. It's like, she's fucking reputable. Yeah. (laughs) Extremely. Yeah. No. And yeah, it's like, she's dedicated her life to the study of these. So (laughs) I don't know. Oh my God. She wouldn't allow, like she wouldn't like muddy. Exactly. Yeah, reliability and mm-hmm. yeah, none of that. She wouldn't do that. Yeah, right. <gasps> oh, that's exciting. <laughs> I know. Because, yeah, she said even more. So she said, every single country has its version. Yeti, Yowie in Australia, Wild Man in China. So I don't know if perhaps it's a oh. myth that stems from maybe the last of the Neanderthals. But then Uh, is the last of the Neanderthals still living in these remote forests? I don't know, but I'm not going to say it doesn't exist. And I'm not going to say people who believe in it are stupid. So (laughs) she's a gem. Yes. Wow. She's still living. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Isn't she? Yeah. She's 88 years old. I saw that today on Wikipedia. (laughs) Damn, sis. You Mm -hmm. get it. Good for her. All that. All that monkey rubbing shoulders with the monkeys longevity yep. i mean how could you not have just a great out view out, outlook not out view on life I mean, <laughs> spending time out view whatever <laughs> with those creatures so wow. amazing okay so then jane's one of those interviews i mentioned was on npr and that led me to another npr interview with Dr. Jeff Meldrum, who is a professor of anatomy and anthropology at Idaho State University. And he's also now a Bigfoot researcher, um, though he wasn't always convinced. But the thing that made him a believer was that he visited Southeastern Washington and he met somebody who showed him a fresh set (laughs) of like inhumanly large footprints out in the forest. And he said that he went into it looking, quote, for the proverbial fur suit or wooden foot, but he left stumped as to how to explain what he had seen um, because he just said, like, the, I don't know how to describe it. Footprints on on sand, like how. Yeah, exactly. Show. Mm -hmm. Yes, and how that would be really hard to replicate if you yeah. were like walking on stilts with fake big feet or also, like stamping. Of that seems more ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, like who would like dedicate this performer? Yeah, <laughs> waiting, hoping someone notices. Right, because it's not guaranteed that someone would find it. <laughs> Well, 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm a Bigfoot impersonator. Um, not sure if anyone knows of me yet. Yeah. Maybe one day. Or not. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Yep. So. Oh, shit, that's funny. Less likely that more likely Bigfoot. Yeah, agreed. So, yeah. Um, but since that experience, uh, most of his research has centered around Bigfoot tracks. So he as- assesses, I guess, the weight, the where they're going, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also has found some other potential evidence, including hair samples that, according to him, have yet to have a genetic match. So they don't know where this hair has come from. And Dr. Meldrum was also part of an effort to analyze that iconic footage of Bigfoot walking <laughs> on the beach or whatever it was. <laughs> that is the best. Yeah. The best. He looks like he's like in a hurry to get to work. <laughs> I know. Um, long arms. Yeah. <laughs> we'll definitely I know. Put that on our yes. We have to. Um, but that footage was shot in 1967, and Dr. Meldrum has reviewed the like cleaned up and stabilized versions of that film, and he says that you're able to see muscle movements and like details that just wouldn't have been possible to yeah. manufacture using a costume, um, particularly with the technology that they had available in those days. Yeah, <clears throat> but. One very confounding factor is that the costume manufacturer for the 1970 remake of Planet of the Apes claims to have sold one of the costumes from that movie to uh, Roger Patterson, who was the one who filmed that footage. Hmm. But I don't know, though. Like, I, I'm, I'm looking at it right now. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look like an ape costume. No, I agree. The legs are too long. Mm -hmm. And And the body body isn't right. And the face isn't right. Yeah. Um, One of the articles with this Dr. Meldrum, there's a comparison sort of, they put side by side of the Planet of the Apes costumes with that footage. And they're totally different. Really? So, yeah. Okay, interesting. I'll send why that to you, too. Like, why would someone do that? Why would they <laughs> be like, oh, well, we sold him this thing. It's like, did you? Mm, yeah. Did you? Attention, I guess. People do crazy things for that. But, yeah, that footage, it's never been disproven or proven to be yeah. real. Um. And yeah, like I said, it does not look like the costumes to me. So who knows? Are we biased? Maybe. Maybe. A couple of Do I hangry. <laughs> Do I care? No, we're just a couple of hangry stands. Mm-hmm. And we are- <laughs> exactly. Uh. Um, okay, but I think the most interesting source I came across. Um, is the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization website? Oh, it's amazing! Like I love their, that. I know <laughs> their website. It lists 
like every Bigfoot sighting going back decades, organized by geographic region. Oh um, my God. I yeah. love these people. Can we quit our jobs and become one of these people? Can we join the team? Yes. I mean, I was looking, there is a Bigfoot like hunt, not to kill it, but like to try yeah. to find it um, in Colorado on <gasps> August 4th through 7th. <laughs> Right. I'm and I was like, head. do I sign up for this? <laughs> we go, Dave? <laughs> I don't know. But they have <clears throat> these meetups, it looked like, in most states in the U.S. Um, where oh you can God. go with, like, a Bigfoot scientist, for lack of a better word, and they show you spots and try to find them. Do people make money doing this? Because if so, sign me up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'll make social channels. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be yeah. I mean, they probably need that because this website looks like it's from 1995 oh, or something. <laughs> but um, yeah, they also all of these reports at the bottom. It shows like somebody that they work with, so an established Bigfoot scientist. I'll keep saying um, wow. they do a follow up interview with the person who reports the sighting. And like, so they're oh. vetting these people to make yeah. sure that they're actually serious yeah. about the story they're yeah. telling. So it's really very impressive, actually, what they do. But yeah, I just wrote down <clears throat> that in our home states of California and Colorado, there are 458 reported sightings in California on this website. And the most recent was in January of this year. <gasps> 2022? Yeah. Oh, my yep. God. And there are 130 in Colorado. And the most recent one was last summer in June of 2021. So they're still updating. It's they're cool. out there. They're yeah. Out there. <laughs> but um, these – so you could go on this website and look and, like, read all of these. And I read several of them. And most are – fairly similar because yeah. they're usually fleeting sightings. They find a footprint. They find like a little tuft of hair or something. Um, no one has had prolonged contact with a Bigfoot. Um, but there's one story that I saw that was a little more detailed that I'll just read really quickly. So Bud Jenkins and his wife were living on the far reaches of the small town of Fort Bragg, California, when it happened. Jenkins' wife's brother, Robert, had stepped outside the house around 5.30 p.m. when he heard the Jenkins' dogs barking. Looking to see what was causing the commotion, Robert turned and saw a creature standing chest and shoulders above a six-foot-high fence at the back of the property. <gasps> Yeah, so huge. He's a big boy. <laughs> yeah. Um, Robert hurried inside to tell his family, and the three of them set out searching. They found a 16-inch footprint and an 11-inch handprint on the side of the house. What? <laughs> that is huge. Yeah, so footprint longer than a ruler. It's... Yeah, very. I'm measuring that out with my fingers, probably very inaccurately. Yeah, but, <laughs> but still, it's, it's big. Still big. <laughs> yeah, 
Um, so bad. You'll- <laughs> I was just going to say that. <laughs> um, Love classic. <laughs> but yeah, that I don't know if it's that exact footprint or if there was another. I mean, people have casts of all these Bigfoot footprints. Um, I don't know if this one in particular was cast yeah. in plaster, but there was one person who has like a whole museum of them basically. Oh so people are dedicated to trying to figure this out. Um, and I don't I think it's trying to like hunt him, you know? Yeah. No, I don't seem like, it. no, I think people just want to know. It's just a yeah. mystery that people are really into. Yeah, like, um, yeah. yeah, exactly. But I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> I'm here for it. I'm very yeah. here for it. Mm-hmm. What about all the stuff with like, because aren't there theories too about Bigfoot being like some creature from another dimension or something like that? <laughs> yeah. I remember Trust. you saying that. Yeah. Like yeah. traveling. Like I think the theory is something like it's a creature from another dimension and like out in the woods where people don't frequent that much. Like that's a common place for there to be like not glitches in the matrix, but like wormholes, I guess mm-hmm. that would be called. like wormholes into another yeah. dimension just briefly. Yeah. And so the reason why so many interactions with him are or them are so fleeting is because you're getting a glimpse like through a wormhole basically like you're not actually seeing him in your world you're seeing into another world whoa which is (laughs) wild yeah that is or he pops into your world for a moment and goes back yeah right like on accident yeah that's why you can't like ever capture anything yeah true because I think one of the biggest things that people question is why haven't we found any remains of anything um, uh, yeah. or like Bigfoot roadkill or something, <laughs> one of the people asked. <laughs> but um, well, he's I don't know. For one. He'd wreck your car. He's like a yeah. moose. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's true. And it's not like we find every animal bone Right. Of and every also, animal that dies in yeah, the forest. They're living in like deep woods or forests. But I mean, is there such thing? This is probably a really stupid question, but is there such thing as like moose roadkill? Like, I just don't think they wander out into the road that much. Or if they do, people see them. Like, yeah, because they're, they're massive. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I was yeah, you're right. Something. I've never seen a moose in real life. I was reading oh. something, though, that you could drive your car in between their legs. That's how big they are. Yeah, they are Have huge. Mm-hmm. I've seen two, actually. I'm really lucky. I saw a baby one also. Um, one was I was climbing a 14er, which is a 14,000-foot mountain for anyone who doesn't know. And then that one was really far in the distance. But then another one was near Rocky Mountain National Park with my dad. And they were just hanging out down by this little creek. Um and we actually we didn't see them because they were kind of forested, like in a forested area. But then we were suddenly like, "Whoa, they're right there!" And you should not get close to them. No, like, no, no, <laughs> bad idea. Very territorial. So, yeah, yeah. But still, it was amazing. Whoa. 
Yeah. That's so cool. Oh my God. Yeah. I the, the thing that whenever anyone brings up a moose that I think about is that book Hatchet. Did you read that? Oh yeah. Yeah. Where it's like mauled, like not mauled, but like trampled basically by a moose, like nearly. Right. He just like, yeah. he breaks a leg or something like that, mm-hmm. but he's lucky he doesn't get killed. But yeah. Man, that book messed me up as if I was never getting on a plane again. <laughs> oh, I don't remember it well. I guess it didn't traumatize me. <laughs> yeah, for, for anyone who hasn't read it, probably if you're from outside of the U.S., it's about a boy who gets on a flight. I think his parents are divorced, and he gets on like a tiny little hopper flight with just him and the pilot to see, from one parent's house to the other mm-hmm. um, across some like major forest. And... The pilot has a heart attack and the plane goes down. It crash lands into a lake in the middle of nowhere in a forest. And this kid manages to get out. He manages to help steer the plane into the lake so it doesn't hit land. And then he manages to get out and basically has to survive with nothing. Mm -hmm. But he ends up diving into the lake to try and get the black box out. And like, it's just, it's, like a survival story, but it's it's incredible. But like, it was traumatizing. He's like yeah, kid. he's like a kid. Mm-hmm. He's like eleven or twelve, yeah. and he figures out he gets like like impaled on porcupine mm. little spines, and he gets yeah. trampled by a moose, and like all this horrible shit happens. And he's like freezing. He has to learn how to make fire for the first time. Like he doesn't yeah. have these skills, and I think all he's able to get from the planes like emergency kit is a hatchet and so mm. that's like all he has and that's yeah. why it's called a hatchet right. anyway it's an excellent book if you haven't read it I won't spoil the ending but every time I think about it I think about that and yeah. <laughs> I won't lie when I read that book for the first time in like grade six I remember thinking like what if there's a big foot <laughs> <laughs> what an amazing connection uh, I know you know <laughs> bringing it full circle back to mm-hmm. old yep so fun. Uh, love it. I love it. I'm here for the cryptids. Yeah, same. Why cryptids. not? Why not? Why not? You know? Yeah. Why not Why cryptids? Not cryptids? <laughs> Why not? Jinx. Why not? <laughs> Why are we like this? said it at exactly the same time. <laughs> yeah. I love that for us. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Well, thank you so much for listening to our Wendigo slash Bigfoot episode, everyone. Um, Stay spooky. TBD on what we're doing next week. Maybe some more haunted places. Because yeah. I've really been enjoying them. Yeah, those are fun. <laughs> some good ones. Mm-hmm. We'll pick a new fun, spicy location. Um, <laughs> but yeah, follow us on social at Girls Gone Spooky on FB and IG. And if you've <laughs> seen Bigfoot, shoot us oh, an email. Girlsgonespookyemail.com. <laughs> and mm-hmm. like I said, stay spooky, friends. Stay spooky. Bye. Bye.